0: So I'm getting back into the uh, live stream world. So I assume we're, we're going. Are we we're good? want to make sure I'm not just talking to myself. Um, so uh, today, uh, we want to try to answer the question, where do we go from here? Uh, where do we go from here? We're, we're living in different times. The world has changed. Uh, we live in what is called today a post-Christian world. Uh, Our mission remains the same, uh, but the world that we're trying to reach is vastly different than than just even 10 years ago. If you had asked me 10 years ago what my most important job was uh, as pastor of the church, I would have said clearly, without hesitation, my most important job uh, was preaching and teaching. Uh, And today that answer would be just a little bit different. Preaching and teaching God's Word will always be important. It's very, very important. It's essential. Uh, But I believe, actually, one of my most important jobs during this time is leading, Uh, even more specifically, uh, leading change uh, because uh, we live in such a a changing world. Uh, I want to take a look at uh, passages of Scripture in Acts chapter 17. Now, Paul and Silas had been in prison Uh, in Philippi, and then when they were released released from prison, they left. They went to Thessalonica, and in Thessalonica, they had more issues, and they left there in conflict and went to Berea. And when trouble started in Berea, uh, Paul was taken by some friends to Athens. And uh, Athens was a city full of thinkers and people who were open to new ideas uh, and innovation. And so we're going to read from Uh, Acts 17, beginning at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, "'People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious.'" For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands." In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, uh, that you would uh, give us revelation, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us wisdom, uh, wisdom for the day, uh, so that we can live better, so that we can live more effectively, so we can have greater impact for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, when he gets to Athens and he sees kind of the world that that they live in and and kind of what makes them move, uh, he approaches them differently than he did the Bereans or the Thessalonians. He adapted his message. He didn't change his message. His message was the same, but his presentation uh, was different. And and today, I think there are some things uh, that we need to be adaptive uh, in regard to uh, some things Uh, Today, I want to talk about some things not to do and some things to do uh, in the current uh, culture that we live in and the world that we live in. So I'll start off just with three things that we need to not do, and then I'll talk about four things that we need to do. So number one, do not give in to fear. Do not give in to fear. Fear and panic don't help you. Fear and panic are not your friends. Fear and panic actually cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do, and the things that they cause us to do are usually bad. Now, I'm not saying never that you will never or you should never experience fear. Uh, in times like this, in unusual times, in uncertain times, uh, in uh, times that are different than maybe uh, things that we have lived through, uh, it, it's pretty normal that you would from time to time experience fear. And I'm not saying feel ashamed when you experience fear. What I'm saying is don't give in to fear. Don't give yourself to fear and to panic, and don't go down that rabbit hole uh, too deep. So don't give in to fear. And then the second thing I would say not to do is resist the temptation to react. Resist the temptation to react. Resist the urge to respond to everything you see and everything you hear. Reaction is not a fruit of the Spirit. Actually, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And when we react by typing or speaking quickly to everything we see or everything we hear, I would guess that probably 25 to 75% of what comes out of us, we wish we could get back into us. And unfortunately, once it comes out of you, you can't get it back into you. There's a reason why the Bible says, to be slow to speak, and quick to listen. The third thing I would say don't do is do not judge the actions of others. Truth is, there will be decisions that other people make that you disagree with. There will be or have been decisions that I've made that you disagree with. And it's okay that you have an opinion. It's okay for you to disagree. But what we need to not do is judge other people for the decisions that they make. Uh, There will be people, friends of yours, maybe even family members who will do less than you would have done or more than you would have done in any given situation. And we need to resist the temptation uh, to judge our friends, our family members, even to judge strangers uh, based on the things that they do during these days. Uh, Everyone's not going to respond or react in the same way in every situation. I have family members that I deeply, deeply love, actually would die for, who vote differently than I do. But that doesn't change the way I feel about them. And I'm not going to judge them for voting a certain way. I'm not gonna judge them for reacting a certain way to uh, the pandemic or, or things of that nature. We live in a somewhat volatile world right now, and people are reacting in different ways. And what we need to not do as the people of God is judge people just because they react differently than we do. Uh, Ray Ortland lists, uh, makes a list of the one another's that you cannot find in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament talks a lot about one another. You know, do this to one another, or do this for one another, and it's always good, good things. Bless one another, love one another. Here's a list of the one another's that you can't find. In the New Testament. Humble one another, scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, defeat one another, disapprove of one another, run one another's lives, confess one another's sins, intensify one another's sufferings, point out one another's failings. So as we move forward uh, in these days, do not give in to fear. Uh, Do not uh, judge each other. Uh, Do not react to everything you see and everything you hear. Now, let's get on to the good stuff. So four things that we want to do, four things that we want to give ourselves to. Number one, uh, we've talked about this a lot, and we will continue to talk about it a lot. Uh, Pray. Give yourself to prayer. If, If you have never cultivated a rhythm of prayer in your life, this would be a great time to do that. Uh, Wake up early in the morning, stay up late at night, set your alarm for the middle of the day, but whatever it takes, find a way to cultivate a rhythm of prayer in your life. We don't want to be people who simply pray when we're in trouble or pray when we need something. We want to cultivate a rhythm of prayer that actually creates an intimacy with God. We want a prayer life that focuses on the goodness of God and the power of God and the ability of God and the willingness of God and the love of God, rather than a prayer life that focuses on our own need or our own circumstances. Now, lists are okay. If you like to pray a prayer list, it's okay to have a list and to pray through your prayer list. I know people who have five different prayer lists, one for every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And that's okay. It's all right if you have prayer lists. Pray through your list, but don't let your list be the only thing. Don't let that be all of your prayer. Don't let your prayer life be simply you rattling off a list of what you need or want or what you think other people need or want to God. Make sure that you take time to listen. I would would say that the most important part of your prayer life is listening. So cultivate a heart and a spirit that is able to sit quietly in the presence of God and listen and allow him to speak to you. Uh, My pastor, who's 97 years old, led me to Jesus when I was 18. Uh, He told me early on that anything that God has to say to me is more important than what I have to say to God. So cultivate a heart, cultivate a mind that's able to listen, to sit quietly and listen to God. This is a great time. If you've never done it, this is maybe the best time, best opportunity you've ever had uh, to cultivate a rhythm of prayer in your life. Second thing I would say we should do is is read. Uh, Read the Bible. Now I'll mention prayer first because I want to encourage you not to just study the Bible the way you would any other book. It's different. Uh, This book is different. It's why we love it so much. It's different because it is actually written by God to us. And so I would say prayerfully read it. Ask God through the pages of this book to feed your soul. Read the Psalms. During these days, one of the best places you can go is to read the Psalms and and actually learn to pray the Psalms. I think praying the Psalms is an incredible practice, an incredible exercise. One of the the reasons that I love praying the Psalms is because Jesus did it. Jesus prayed the Psalms. Everything that Jesus said from the cross, every word he spoke from the cross is in the Psalms. Read Proverbs. Proverbs is a great source of wisdom for us. Read the Proverbs. Read all of the Bible. Maybe you want to find a Through the Bible in a Year app. There are so many of them out there, they're easy to find. Get one of those. Maybe you want to just listen on Audible. You could listen to somebody else read the Bible to you, and that's certainly good. Whatever it takes to get the Word of God inside of you in these days. I would say read it. Read it slowly. Don't rush. Let God speak to your heart. Let God speak to your soul. Ask God to feed your soul from his word uh, during these days. Uh, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And so as we move forward in these days and we look for ways to actually keep from doing the three things that we said we don't wanna do, we don't wanna give in to fear and we don't want to react to everything we see and hear, and we don't want to judge our brothers and sisters and those around us. One of the best ways to keep that from happening is to give ourselves to the Word, uh, to prayerfully read God's Word. Uh, If we do those things, I I won't have to remind you not to do the things that we need not to do, because as we allow the Word of God to get into us, uh, we won't do those things. A third thing that I would encourage us to do during these days is to connect. Connect. Uh, we've been saying it for 20 years, and I'll say it again. Uh, you were not meant to live this life alone. Now, it's, it's never been more apparent uh, than today. The isolation of COVID has been brutal. Uh, if you look around the country and around the world, uh, suicide numbers are up. Depression numbers are up. Loneliness is at an epidemic level. We need people. And I hope this will be a time when all of Riverstone will intentionally engage in community. I I encourage you, if you've never been in a small group, this is a time for you to take that step and get into a small group. You need a group of people Uh, who you know, and and a group of people who knows you, who will walk with you through this time. And and I would say this is especially true if you are at risk, if you're vulnerable, or if you are just careful in these days. If you're a person who you find is staying home more than your friends, then even more you need to be able to connect. And so we need to figure out ways to help everyone connect uh, during this time. So we want to pray, we want to read, we want to connect. And then the fourth thing, and this is really important, is we need to change. We've got to change. There are some things uh, that have to change. There, There are two categories of people when it comes to change. There are those who hate change, and there are those who absolutely hate change. Now, when it comes to the advancement of the gospel, when it comes to the call uh, of the Christian, the assignment uh, on our life, our mission is the same. doesn't matter whether it's Paul's day or, or 2020 or 2021, whether it's pre-COVID, COVID, post-COVID, doesn't, doesn't matter uh, what it is. Our mission is the same, but the way we execute that mission is changing. Uh, Todd Bolsinger, in his book, Canoeing the Mountains, says this, leadership is energizing a community of people toward their own transformation in order to accomplish a shared mission in the face of a changing world. The world we live in it is changing, uh, and we have to adapt. If we're willing to change, we can thrive during these days. But it will require that we let go of some things. We can't spend our days hoping that things will go back to the way they were. Rotary phones and eight-track tapes are not coming back. Bell-bottoms are, well, never mind. Bell-bottoms bell have already come back. Bell-bottoms are, are different. But the idea, you understand, is that there are certain things that we just have to let go of. Instead of just looking back and and daydreaming and wishing that things could be, again, the way they were, instead we need to look forward we need to ask the Lord, where are we going? How are we going to get there? How can we be effective and how can we have impact in these days that you have placed us in? Here's the thing that you and I need to know. None of us are in this particular part of history by accident. God put us here for this time, every one of us. And God has uniquely created and equipped us for this season of life. If we will give ourselves to him and if we will allow him to have his way in us, we can be used in this season of time more powerfully, more with more impact uh, than in any other part of history because we were made for this time. We weren't made for yesterday. We were made for today, and so we have to allow God to use us. The mission doesn't change, but how we operate that mission shifts and adapts. We've done it before, and we can do it again. When when Paul was preaching to the Jews, he reasoned from the Scriptures. He began with their own historic beginnings, and then he moved through history, to the life of Christ, and to the promise of the Messiah, which is all a part of what they knew and what they studied. When he was preaching to the Gentiles, he reasoned from nature, and he used circumstantial object lessons to bring them an understanding. In Athens, he spoke to their philosophical bent and their fascination with other gods, and and he brought up this issue of the unknown God. He used their own culture to reach them with the gospel. He used the way they thought and the way they lived to reach them with the message of Jesus. So what can we do? How can we adapt and what can we do differently uh, in the day that we live in? Um, I mentioned earlier the importance of being in a small group and some of you are thinking, well, I'd love to be in a small group, but I'm not really... I'm not ready to be around people yet. I'm trying to be safe and I have, you know, I'm vulnerable. I'm at risk. I have family members that are at risk. I'm trying to keep them safe. Uh, Do a small group on Zoom. Do a small group on Zoom. I I don't know if you know, we've been uh, ramping up uh, for Alpha. We took our staff through Alpha. We are asking our small groups to go through Alpha uh, this winter and spring. And then we want to launch Alpha groups in homes in the fall. And I was reading a testimony, actually listening to a testimony uh, this morning uh, of a man who uh, was considered one of the top six most dangerous men in the UK. And he was in prison, and he went through an alpha course in prison, and he gave his life to the Lord. Uh, and then he asked permission to go back to the town where he had committed the majority of his crimes and apologize and ask for forgiveness to for the people of that town life radically changed in in prison. All across the UK, I'm hearing testimonies uh, of people who are going through Alpha courses on Zoom, whose lives are being incredibly changed through Zoom, on a computer screen, going through an Alpha course. Another thing that we can do, uh, besides doing a small group on Zoom, is to figure out how uh, we can continue to be a global church without going anywhere. That's kind of a challenge. How can you be global without ever leaving Kennesaw or or Cobb County? Well, we did it. We did it around Christmas time. When we participated in Operation Christmas Child, we actually sent the gospel message all over the world. And so there there are ways to do it. And we want to come up with other ways of being a global church in the midst of a pandemic. And uh, we're actually having a meeting on Thursday night Uh, for anyone interested uh, in helping us to come up with ideas and create creative ideas uh, of of how we can be a global church going forward, how we can be more global even than than we've ever been before. Um, If you're interested in that, I hope you'll come and and join us uh, on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. So you could do an alpha group in in your house uh, with a small group six to eight people. You could do prayer walks in your neighborhood. You could call. You could be intentional about calling people that you know are struggling. Uh, You could maybe take care packages to sick friends and family members uh, who have lost loved ones. There there are so many things that we can do. We just have to ask the Lord to give us creativity, uh, to learn new ways of doing the same thing, the same mission done, done in a different way. Uh, Last fall, we did, which was uh, possibly the most uh, effective, most influential thing that we did all of last year, was the Night of Hope. We did the Night of Hope, and it was different. It was creative. It was innovative. It was outside. We did it outside because we knew that in the climate that we're living in, people would be more willing to come to an outdoor event than an indoor event. And they did. We had a huge number of people who showed up that night. We had an incredible night of worship and an incredible night of presentation of the word, and lives were changed forever because we were willing to do something different. The same message, the same mission, done in different ways. Going forward, God wants to give us creativity. He wants to give us innovation. He is the ultimate creator. He is the ultimate innovator. And he will speak into us and he will lead us as we give ourselves to him fully and completely. He made us for this time. He will use us in this time. Now let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that nothing takes you by surprise. Nothing catches you off guard. You knew before we were born that we would live in this day. You knew before we were born what this day would look like. You knew what the challenges of these days would be. And you created us for this time. And everything that we need to be successful, to have impact, to have influence, to advance the kingdom, everything we need is in us. You've put it there. That's the kind of God you are. We love you. We trust you. We pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts, and and even our minds to all of the things that you have for us in these days. Show us, Lord, how to live, how to live better, how to live lives that are contagious for the gospel, irresistible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, We'll be back uh, in person next week, uh, February 7th, with three services. We'll be at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. And uh, hope you have a great week. And again, thanks for jumping on. We love you guys.